This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Tuesday, it's the 20th of June, 2023. And today we're joined by Michael Babcock. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Hello, Sean Priest. How are you today? I'm gorgeous. I am here, Stephen Scott. That's the main thing. Never forget, I'm here. Is that the standard we are setting for ourselves on this show? Well, turning I'm up. alive, <laughs> I'm awake, and I'm no, here. No, 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 because the plan was that I was going to take today off, but... You're bringing up such an interesting topic today. See, we'll see what I'm doing there, setting up the teaser for oh, the audience. Good. Yes, that's good. Yeah, 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 thank yeah, you, yeah. thank you. That I couldn't miss it. Yeah, in other words, you're hiding out because you didn't get your partner anything for her anniversary. I mean, what do you get them now? It's impossible to buy anyone a present, right? Because everyone just goes online and buys their own thing. So then you spend ages going through the deals of the day. Obviously, I'm not mad. I'm not made of money. And it, there's nothing there. I can't buy her anything. It's ridiculous. Amazon voucher. Um, well, I was just about to say an Amazon voucher. I mean, what else do you buy? Right? Yeah. I mean, let's Being be really honest. romantic. Hello, darling. After 33 years of a gorgeous relationship, here's a £50 Amazon voucher. Treat yourself. £50? Wow. What is this? Is this a, a gold anniversary? Is it sapphire? Is it platinum? Well, exactly. See, they need renaming for a start. Is it the £50 Amazon voucher anniversary or is it the £100 Amazon anniversary? We, we need to bring this up to date. Well, I remember when I, when I got married, Michael Babcock's with us, by the way. Michael Babcock, hello. Welcome to the show. Welcome <laughs> Hello. On. I just wanted to, I, yeah, I didn't know Sorry, where Michael. we were going with this one. Uh, uh, although I will say, Sean has made me not super encouraged for the next 23 years. I just passed 10 years, and he's like, you know, this oh, well is all it comes down to. So, No, no, that's that's beautiful. The first 10 years, they're, they're the honeymoon period, as I put it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'll right. tell you what the next does. <laughs> <laughs> If the texture is honest. <laughs> I, I remember I remember on our first wedding anniversary, I think that the first one is paper. And that's when I got her a voucher. And I thought, well, that makes sense. It's on paper, right? Yeah. No, no, it does make sense. I think that's yes. perfectly logical that you get a, you know, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, I was over for you. I feel like there's a story here. Oh, no, no, it's fine. Because do you know what? My, my wife is one of these people who she's not really into big gifts. Oh. Thank goodness. That's good. That's yeah, for me. Um, <laughs> she, she paper. Weird. There you go. Here's a roll. There you go. Enjoy yourself. Happy <laughs> we, anniversary. We go, to, we go shopping and I am worse than her. Like she'll go into the, 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 the mall or whatever and we'll go in, we'll go to a couple of stores and she just wants to go home. She's like, right, I'm done. I want to go home. And I'm like, I haven't been to the Apple store yet. I haven't spent money on Apple products. Honestly. Yeah. And then I get, com- and then she's like, right, okay, go in then. And then she does this because I always think I'll oh, better rush around, you know, better rush around, look like I'm making the effort. Oh, right. And uh, then yeah. she, you know, she'll say, just don't rush. And then usually she buys something in the Apple store and I don't. And I find that just bizarre how that works. I, I wouldn't stand for that, Stephen. Put your foot down. Well done. Yeah, yeah. That's Doesn't work that way. Yeah. And you know, as well as I do, that's never going to happen because you are in the same boat as me. Yes. Anyway. Um, Love you. <laughs> they don't listen, do they? No, no they don't. No. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know so, that feeling. <laughs> Ever. Anyway. Um, okay, so moving on. Uh <laughs> Very swiftly. Uh, these walls do have ears, you know. Uh, we are uh, going to talk today about a, a proposition, a supposition, a preposition. I don't know what the word is for this. You still not looked that up. I mean, we've been I, talking about this. If only there was a way I could figure this out. Who knows? But okay. there's absolutely no way. You have a proposal. I, I do have a proposal for both of you. <laughs> Let's all go no. and live on Double Tap Island. That is where I think we should be. It's going to happen. <laughs> It's like Lost, but, you know, without the weird polar bear. Um, So, uh, let's... uh, Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen a 15-year-old show. Um, But I have a a proposal to put forward to the good people, to the nation of Canada, the nation of the United States. I want to bring people together here. Uh, I am like the United Nations uh, on very specific topics around Braille. (laughs) Um, So... (laughs) Let's let's put this out here and see what people think. So, look, you use Braille a little bit, Michael, right? You're a Braille reader. Yeah. Yep. I've been reading and using Braille since kindergarten. So, yeah. Wow. That's more than a little bit. He's, that's, yeah, that's a, bit, that's a while. Okay. He's a Braillist. 
right? Yeah, you are. Yeah, Ooh, you're Braille. Braille, Michael. But as I told Stephen when he asked me this question, I know Braille. I can read and write Braille. I am not the fastest at reading oh, or writing no, Braille, no, no. and I am comfortable with grade one and grade two. I learned Braille in the '90s, so uh, I have not learned UEB. Although uh, some people tell me that's not an excuse, I'm just comfortable where I am. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I know some people get really picky around Braille, don't they? It's like, well, you haven't yeah. learned this yet. Well, you're clearly not one of us. And you're like, well, actually, hang on. You know, this is, if you can get by with what you need, and of course the great thing is you can translate it into whatever code you want, so it can be into UEB, Standard English, or whatever you want, um, then it can, as long as it works for you, right? Um, mm-hmm. But no, I, I'm kind of the same in the sense that I read Braille very slowly. I can't do a lot of reading with it because it would, it would take me too long. But I do enjoy it. But one issue I have is not so much. Well, let me let me put this out here. It's not so much that I have an issue with the input, but I do think for the future of Braille, for it to survive long term, there maybe needs to be a change, just a little change. And it's kind of starting to happen. So this is not a, a new idea or a unique idea, but it is, I think, an important step forward to securing the future of Braille, and that is to get rid of the Perkins-style keyboard. Get rid of those Perkins-style keys, get rid of those six keys with the two extra keys, you know, all that. Get rid of all that and just have QWERTY input only and Braille display output. I want to put that out there because, look, there's so many displays now still selling today with the Perkins-style input, and I, I really need to understand in my head what it is that keeps that particular input format alive compared to the fact that most people today, in fact, I'll just go so far to say everybody, even those who have the Perkins-style input keys, have got a QWERTY keyboard sitting on their desk. So my question is, why don't we just get rid of the Perkins-style input keys and just focus on the Braille dots? Just have the real display. Controversial, Mr. Scott. And you know what? The thing is, I can't think of the the reason why not to just move over to QWERTY. But there must be, surely. Is it, I have the reason. Here we go. Okay, Michael, this is you why you're lose, here. You lose the ability to input contractions. So, for example, dots two, three, four, six is the word the, and you would lose the ability to just write the word the in Braille unless you made some sort of Perkins-style keyboard on the computer, or then you'd actually have to write those three letters. No, but my point is that if you get rid of that, if you just get rid of the Perkins-style input altogether, you're going to type out the words anyway, right? You might dictate the words, you might type the words out, whatever it is, but you're going to type them out anyway. There's no shorthand in QWERTY, right? So you, you still type the as T-H-E. You're not going to have a special command for that to do that with typing. So why, why are we creating this extra layer of complexity onto the input of, say, onto a computer? I mean, you know, when you think about it, because this is the thing, right? If you're connecting these to computers or phones, you have to learn all these commands to be able to use this device. And, and, and I don't know a lot of people who are doing this, but I know the people who have been using Braille for years say what they have is on their desk, they have a QWERTY keyboard, they have the Braille display sitting in front of it, and they tend to have their hands lingering over the QWERTY keyboard, and they just bring it back to the Braille display, and they just completely ignore the input keys. Mm. Because they That's just don't the- see the value in it. That's why the Mantis really intrigued me, because that's a QWERTY keyboard with a Braille display. But that's a unique device. Yeah. That's the thing, right? That's actually standing alone. Of course, we now have the Optima that will make its way out in, in hopefully 2024 from Orbit. But these are still quite niche devices within a niche. And, and I, the, the prevalent input type is still Perkins style. And I just don't quite get it. Now, I'm, I'm, I can almost hear the keyboard's being bashed as I speak <laughs> by people saying, well, I'll tell you 50 reasons why. But I, I kind of want to start a discussion on this, right? I'm not putting it out there to say, let's do it, and all the companies should therefore change. What I am saying, though, is why do we need this input? So you've said, Michael, it's because of contractions. Mm-hmm. But that, to me, is a shorthand, right? That's a shorthand which is, of course, very useful for Braille and in particular for input. But you don't get that on keyboards. So I challenge you, sir. I challenge you with that one. Okay. 
Okay, but to a jewel. Yes, to a jewel. <laughs> yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, but it's a, that it's a shortcut. But if you're configured properly, so first of all, I do not disagree. I can't tell you how to command tab with a braille display. I'm just going to reach over to the keyboard and hit command tab because I mm-hmm. don't remember those uh, keystrokes. But being able to write, I write a lot faster in Braille than I read, and I've never timed myself, so I'm curious with a Perkins-style keyboard if I write faster in Braille than when I type. So I could see why it would be advantageous to have that Perkins-style keyboard, because if you're writing a novel and let's say your sentence has two or three contractions, are you saving time using those keystrokes? But you're right, when you have to do something else in the computer interface, that's another whole language you have to learn. Yeah. And, and But also, I suppose, if you sort of take away contractions from the input side of things does that mean it sort of fades away from the reading side of things right i don't think so i don't think it has to i mean i think the contractions could still live because obviously there are good reasons why contractions exist it is to reduce the amount number of characters on on the display so that you can get more words onto your line which just makes total sense to me but the translation software and obviously it's not brilliant, I guess. Although I don't know, maybe it is. Maybe it is excellent. Maybe you can type away on a QWERTY keyboard and it automatically fires out the appropriate contracted Braille. Um, but, you know, and if it can do that, then it kind of makes my point. Why would you need the Perkins input keys to achieve that? But but then I, I, so I get, here's, here's the thing though. Is it down to the understanding of the code itself that is why the, the keys exist? Do you know yeah. what I mean by that? The is dots, it, is yeah. it to do with the learning? Is it to do with the, the, the fact that, you know, how... Because I, when I was doing my training with this years ago, I remember someone saying to me, you know, one thing you have to do is, is get used to the writing and get used to the reading, but you don't necessarily need to do that at the same time. And I thought, what? Surely we need to understand the letters and understand how the letters are formed in order to be able to read them. But no, apparently, you, could, you know, the, the focus was on, well, focus on writing or reading, but you can do sep- you can do it separately. And I thought, well, if that's the case, then okay, what's the what's the input got to do with it? I I don't know about that one because I was taught ye- to read and write at the same time. I was given a Perkins style key, uh, a Perkins writer, not a Perkins style keyboard, but a Perkins Braille writer, and yeah. I would take that to class with me in class and. Take this also with the fact that I've been blind since birth, and that that does make a big difference, I think, too. But when I learned Braille and was using Braille, I don't think I got my computer in class until fourth or fifth grade. And then I learned that you could use spell check on spelling test, but we won't talk about that. Uh, so I <laughs> used the Braille writer to write my math and to write a lot of my my uh, assignments out. And then I'd have a, a sighted instructor who would go and do interpoint and write in print in between the Braille lines what I wrote. And to me, it was reading and writing was was combined. I had to do both of them. And I feel like that may have strengthened my skills in Braille. Oh, no doubt. No doubt at all. But it's interesting, Sean, because I don't feel we get that same kind of experience. Like the, the classes you and I attended, remember? Yeah. Where it was all about reading. There was not there was nothing about input. No, but again, these are these were the beginner classes. I, I don't know. Does there I I, I think it, it may aid in the learning of it. I I It's tricky though. It's it's not obvious, right? We need someone but hang on, but but just to think back to our training, right? Yeah. You think about what you get from Hadley yes. as well. So Hadley sends out the books that you learn to read with. Uh, you can get the, what's the one we had here in the UK? The name is escaping me. So but the Brailless. The, the Brailless Foundation do a course as well. Yeah. Uh, but there was also that course, which I'm fingerprint. That was a fingerprint course from RNIB. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, which I think is was actually developed originally by the Royal National College uh, for the Blind in Hereford. And that is basically, you know, a CD or a USB stick with, you know, the books of Braille and you read along with it. I've now, there were, there were, t- yeah, that's right, the cassette <laughs> version as well. Um, but, you know, you could, if you did have a Brailler, you could type along with that, you could learn along with it. But a lot of the more modern classes don't seem to focus on input until a bit later on. And this is why I think there's, there's a bit of a mistake here. And I think that it, it could actually aid learning for more people if you made it QWERTY 
and Braille display rather than Perkins style? Because to me, it seems like that in itself could be off-putting to people. I can understand it from a, a child's point of view, and I can understand from a teaching point of view in an early years environment. But even then, I think, wouldn't it be better to teach kids to use you know, QWERTY keyboards right away and focus on that? I mean, there's a lot of learning a Braille, uh, that a blind child has to go through, it seems. Huge amounts of additional learning. And yes, of course, kids soak things up. I get that. But it's an awful lot more to learn. And not every child can succeed at that. And I think, can we simplify this process for children and for adults alike and focus on the tools they'll actually use? When I took a computer class during a summer camp at a school for the blind, probably 99, 2000, somewhere around there uh, here in Oregon, they had Braille displays on the computer, but those Braille displays didn't have any input. Now that I think about it, it was just Braille displays and then you would use the keyboard to input. Yeah. So I wonder if the Perkins style input method for computers is newer with the multifunctionness of devices that can both be note takers and Bluetooth connected Braille displays. Yeah. Um, well, about practical terms, I mean, it's the size of a display, maybe a query keyboard adds more size to a portable device. I'm grasping at straws here. Well, I mean, I'm thinking you could even go as far to say you could have a separate display, just a display on its own. Yeah, yeah but what about note takers and things like that? Well, yeah, well, there's a question mark around them as well. Again. But again, but again, that's what the mantis is to some degree, right? That's yes, what the Optima will be. It's a, it's a computer in, with, you know, that QWERTY keyboard and the Braille display connected. So, you well, know, you could easily point. create the portable solution. When we talked about the Optima, and I'm sorry, the name escapes me who we spoke to, actually. But when we talked about that, and it was all about specialist tech, and why are we separating that from just using a mainstream Windows or Mac PC because it's just given uh, in, in Israel, they don't do that because why teach two separate methods when in the mm. real world you're going to use a Windows or a Mac PC? So why even bother, you know, hmm. stretching resources and stretching teachers' time in teaching a, a specialist device? Um, yeah, I I think this is a really good idea. <laughs> you, know, that, you know that way you think to yourself, why? I can't be the first person to think this, and I'm clearly not the first person to think this, because there have been examples over the years of these devices coming out with QWERTY keyboards. They haven't been as popular, that's for sure. Uh, and you know, I think price has played a big part in that. Availability, maybe as well. There also wasn't that many of them. And also, the market was on the traditional you know, Perkins-style eight-key input. And that was it, you know. So there was a kind of market around that, but I wonder if that should change because the, the needs of today's world has changed. We don't, you know, I, 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 this came from a, a personal place for me because I got a Braille display, my Focus 40, which is a great display, it really is. And I really enjoy it. But I find that I could type, and I can type on it, of course I can, but the amount of commands I have to learn on top of mm -hmm. learning in order to navigate, I mean, I've, I've got a list of about a million that I found, you know, somewhere on AppleViz probably, and there's about a million commands I can go and learn. And yeah, that's fine. I could spend the time. And people love to tell me, oh, you should just learn it. You should just learn it. You should just learn it. And it's like, yeah, but how many things can you learn? As an adult, it's like, come on. I barely remember where I put my keys when I got up in the morning. And you want me to learn a whole new operating system and a whole new set of commands for a, a totally different and unique yep. keyboard input method? Learning Just is, because, oh, well, learning's fun. Learning is fine. It's absolutely fine <laughs> if you need to. But are we just replicating a skill we've already learned That's with I touch feel. typing right. or a QWERTY typing? It, it feels like, though, there must be something we're overlooking, some reason we're missing, surely. I suppose we're talking about digital here. What about just, you know, uh, mechanical? I mean, how would you do that if you wanted to write on Braille paper? Well, I, no, that's an now. interesting point, yes, because, I, and I did see something the other day, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks' time, because we're hoping to get the developer on. There are some new types of devices coming out that will actually be retro or able to retrofit older Perkins Braillers to make them able to uh, connect to 
you know, almost like have your Perkins Brailler connected to your computer, which kind of sounds quite cool. I mean, I love extra mechanical noise. Um, yes. That's certainly going to add quite a bit <laughs> in comparison to what I had, you know, with my clack sound effects. My... isn't allowed enough. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> but a lot of this is cost-based, right? Because, of course, the more specialist you go, the more expensive it gets. And I'm not suggesting for a second that we can come up with a, a Braille solution that will be completely affordable. But... If you detach, I mean, there's a a second step to this, which is if you detach the Braille display from the keyboard itself and you just have a Braille display that you can use with anything. And this is kind of where Optima's going as well, right? To a degree. They're not going here yet, but they are talking about, okay, let's build a device using the framework. I think it's called framework, the the model where you can, you know, essentially have all these different parts connected. You could, in theory, have a standalone almost like a wrist rest Braille display in front of your QWERTY keyboard. And you could buy that and then buy whatever keyboard you like. So you don't have to, you know, if you love a mechanical, if you want an MX keys, you can go get that. And then you just plonk it in front of your Braille display and away you go. It gives us more choice. And I think it would make those particular Braille displays, well, at least more attractive. And possibly as a result, you get more of them at the door, the price comes down. I'm looking at Orbit for the answer here. I think Mm. they may have the answer to this. They may even be thinking about this already. The Optima gives me a little bit of hope on that. So Orbit's targeting 550 to 750 for the Orbit Speak, which has the Perkins-style input and gives you the voice output, which makes me wonder if they took the Perkins-style input and the software behind what runs the Orbit readers and just gave you the 20 or 40 cell Braille display, kind of like what you're talking about, Stephen, where you can put it in front of your MX keys keyboard and just use that, and it really has no smarts except for to connect via Bluetooth or USB-C, could they get that price tag a lot lower? And I think they could. Yeah. I, I think no one's thinking about this because I don't think anyone's having this conversation at the moment. And it's because there's a traditional approach to creating these Braille displays. And I don't know if it's something that has a long-term value. I, I, Braille in itself is a major part of all of our lives. I think it should be even more so. And, you know, I know because I came through that, I've said this story so many times, you'll all know it. I've told you the story of coming through school and then not, you know, getting the proper training on it and how that impacted me later in life. And I, I do believe, well, I don't know, but I would have hoped that if I had Braille in my life, I would have had a lot more job as, job potential uh, than, I, than I really did, to I be agree. honest. Yeah, no, I feel exactly the same. I'm not saying anything wrong with my career. I love it. Mr. F, you're brilliant. God bless you. <laughs> but I, and I love this job, and I love what I do, and, and I would never want to change it. But if I had thought oh, maybe I could go down the, the law route or the accountancy route or the legal or, what, you know, whatever it is, you know, just, just essentially a, a different kind of route with potentials and, and all kinds of options. I, with Braille, you can do all that. Now, of yeah. course, that's not to say if you have Braille, everyone suddenly becomes a lawyer, although there are a lot of them in America. I've noticed this. There's a lot of <laughs> associations of blind lawyers in America. I, I, I know this, but... You know, that, it's not to say that because you have Braille, therefore, either, but at least it gives you choice. And in order to get that, I think you've got to level the playing field and you've got to think about the places people will work. And of course, most people are going to work with these things called computers. And, you know, yes, we all have to talk about, you know, in future gaze about what technology will be in the future. But the reality is most computers are still a box with a monitor sitting on top and a keyboard that's got QWERTY keys on it. And imagine being able to just take in a little Braille display, just a little wrist-rest size, maybe even smaller than that, and just sit it in front of that device and be able to use that computer with your JAWS or whatever you put on the computer. And suddenly, you know, the whole thing's a lot easier to use um, and more natural. I, I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. It's funny. Feel you, free to debate. You do put it out there, Stephen, but, you know, it does feel slightly uneasy. Well, I do at least feel slightly uneasy because it's almost... It's almost, you don't want to come across like, you know, oh, we don't need Braille anymore. Um, and it, it's, it's a little bit too close to the argument of, well, we got screen readers now. Why do we need Braille? Which I've heard before, which I think you just gave a good reason why we still need Braille. And even if you don't take it that far, if we're not talking about employment prospects, 
I mean, just the work that we do now, how many times have we said, oh, I wish I could just read the notes on Braille oh, yeah. without having to yeah. stop and listen to my screen reader in my ear when I'm thinking of questions or whatever. Exactly right. But um, it does make me uneasy having this conversation. But for the life of me, I'm not sure why, because it seems perfectly reasonable to me. I have a Braille display here right now, and it's powered off, and I'm not using it. And I'm probably not the best person to think about, but I'm looking at it. I'm like, this 20-cell Braille display that I have here, it takes up from the left side of the spacebar on the MX keys to the right side of the control key to the uh, left of the arrow keys. And I'm thinking a 40-cell would probably fit perfectly right along this. I could get a <laughs> wrist rest right here and just have that Braille display. You, you're almost selling me on this, Stephen, because I don't use the input method, uh, but the output might be nice to have. But does that exactly does that put you off using it, having that input method? I mean, even though it's it's there and you don't have to use it because you could still get the Braille output from the display anyway, I could put my Focus 40 in front of my magic keyboard here and get the same response. But it, there's something about that display. I mean, first off, it's, it's more things you could press and likely hit run and mm-hmm. get something wrong. But also it comes with it, uh, you know, a whole sort of ecosystem operating system of its own that you have to kind of figure out and learn. Whereas if you can just connect this thing and all it does is output what it finds... That would be good for me, right? That'd be good for most people. And I think it's just, I come to this from from my perspective as someone who is learning Braille later in life. So, you know, to me, learning all these commands and all these things, and, and then I hear people who've been using Braille for years saying to me, oh, I just use the QWERTY keyboard. And I think, well, what's the point? <laughs> Why have this thing? I don't get it. So I'm intrigued. Uh, on your point, Sean, I think... You know, I'm I'm not one of these people, and you know this. I'm not the person who's ever going to say real is dead. Although yes. ten years ago, I might have made that argument. Uh, I don't think I'd make that argument now. And it's it's funny. Nothing becomes a problem in life till it happens it to you. you. Yes. So you know, it's all very well for me sitting there ten years ago going, ah, Braille, who needs it? But you know what? Yeah, we do need it, and uh, I'm very much an advocate for that. Look, stick around. We'll have more on this uh, coming up on Double Tap on AMI Audio. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is Double Tap on AMI-audio and on podcast. Yes, we are all over the place. Quite literally. (laughs) Uh, Right, Sean Priest, (laughs) Michael Babcock with me today. Uh, Michael, am I right in saying during the break you uh, got your Braille display out, you've plugged it in. Are you uh, you having a little uh, moment there? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't understand why my Braille display said muted. Maybe because I was muted. And all these extra characters, Stephen, we've talked about this a couple of times. I don't understand oh, I'm them. so sick of this. Yeah, what is all this rubbish that comes up on I the screen? I grew up with eight dot or with six dot Braille. And all of a sudden we have this eight dot Braille with these dots across the bottom. And I imagine there's a purpose, but I don't understand why I have an M with a dot eight to the left of my Braille display. That To me, that looks strange that it's wasting two characters giving me that That's M not there. Wasted. That's that there. means something, Michael. Cool. What does it mean, though? Feedback at doubletaponair.com. <laughs> Let's know. What does that mean? Because I haven't got a clue. Uh, listen, I want to say uh, also a huge thank you to you, Michael, for the OpenScape demo. Absolutely oh, fantastic. Yes. Yeah, was really, really hit. good. Yeah, very, I'm, very I'm glad I was able to get you guys something you could use, because the first one or two times, it's like, <laughs> mm, this doesn't sound good, but here you go, Stephen. Have this. Try it. Sort it out. It was, it's so difficult to record that, though. I've tried a few times doing a demo when I'm out for my morning walk, and it's really tricky to get a nice, clean audio, because you want to get that stereo effect, and you know you want to get it sort of in that wild environment sort of sound, but it's really tricky to make it audible. So well done. You so, did a fantastic job. So what I tried, I'm fond of the Shox headphones, the open ear headphones that do bone conduction. Uh, the Shox Pro are my favorite because they're so lightweight, I often forget that I'm wearing them. They're a little more expensive, but they're they're super nice. So what I tried doing is using the Ambio headset, thinking, oh, if my ears will hear this noise, forgetting that those headphones actually vibrate that bone, then the, sh- then the Ambios will hear the voiceover. That did not work out. So what I ended up doing is using screen recording on the iPhone to capture the voice over sounds while I'm out and about and then recorded with audio or with voice memos on the Ambios so you guys could hear the car driving up on my right and my little brother saying car, truck, that's not normally how it goes but when I'm multitasking <laughs> thankfully he was there to tell me that I was about to get hit by a truck. I mean that I was going to run into a truck. Yes, that's yes. what it was. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and so then I just mixed them all together with Reaper. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention something about that demo, which uh, people wouldn't have heard in the demo we played out 
on Monday's show last week. But actually, we played out, uh, or we, we were listening to the demo you'd sent the first one round, and you were out with your brother, mm-hmm. and you said, I, don't mind, I hope you don't mind me saying this, although it's too late because it's going on here, uh, yeah. but I, you, you, your brother said something to you about money going into a, sh- a shop, mm-hmm. and you said, pay my brother, I didn't catch his name, uh, but pay my brother $10. And yes. I was a bit confused by that, because I'm like, is that an Apple Pay thing? Is that? Yep. So I've with Siri, you can actually life. tell Siri, send Sean, Stephen, you need to try this. Send Sean a hundred pounds and it will send him money through Apple Pay. Is that a thing? Not yeah. over here. At least here in the US. I don't yes. know. I don't know abroad, but here in the US. And it will also tie into other payment apps. So the first time I did it, it said, would you like to use Apple Wallet or Cash App? Because we have Cash App here too. And I chose Apple Wallet because that's what I'm using more of. Um, but yeah, you just you can also send money within uh, iMessages as well. If you say that's $45, that $45 becomes a link that you can double tap on and that'll bring you right into Wallet to say, how would you like to send or request this money? Wow. Sounds amazing. Actually, Steve, I think we should try that. Maybe it is in the UK now. I think hang we on, should try. Hang on, hang on. Request no, $100 send. from <laughs> Sean Priest. You have no send works, not request. Only oh, send, right, Stephen. Right. Oh, no, it's not responding. Right, okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't use that word because I can't say it. It's a problem with my accent. It sounds like sound. <laughs> Do you know what, though? Talking about this quickly, the, the, um, every time I, I say open the cash app, um, it does ask me. Which app do you uh-huh. want to open? Wallet or the cash uh-huh. app? It doesn't matter uh-huh. what I say. Every af- time. It doesn't matter what I say after that. It'll just open whatever random thing it thinks I said. Um, but yeah, I, I got to say cash app, though, I love. It is very accessible, although it's just introduced limits over here in the UK. And um, yeah. I can't send or receive any money at the minute. It's, it's strange. Oh, is that the excuse, is it? Right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it does seem that we're... Um, we're, we're f- very far ahead in the UK when it comes to banking in some ways, because I know, for example, here, everything's chip and pin, contactless, Apple mm. Pay, Google Pay, Samsung Pay, you know, teeth fillings pay, whatever it is. And that's all great. But you go to the States and it's like you've got to use a thing and there's a screen and then you've got to get a pen and you've got to sign something and then you've got to swipe. And it's like, what? What's going on here? And then they bring you these things called bits of paper. And I'm mm. like, what? You got to write things on them. It's like, come on, so it all feels a bit weird. But but <laughs> then you have the ability to send money to each other via uh, an iMessage, which is just really weird. Uh, but no, that's not something we have here. But I thought it was quite interesting. You also mentioned Reaper, and you are the host of a number of podcasts. Uh, it seems like a growing number <laughs> of podcasts. Is, is this how you're? Is it con- divide and conquer? Basically, just just yeah. we'll, we'll throw as much as we can at the wall. He's taking see over. What sticks. He's see, see what father. sticks, and yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. Okay. someone will want to buy some of the content eventually. Maybe <laughs> that's the goal. I want to sell out at some point. So well done. Well, hey, listen, you got to try, and everyone loves a tryer. Um, so um, tell me about Reaper because you've been—we've uh, been mucking around with Reaper. Well, I have, to be fair. Past weekend, I've been playing with it a bit more. So <laughs> this is my story. I—I've uh, got Reaper on my computer. I've had it on the Mac for a while. And I'd gone through, after having Scott Chesworth on the show recently, we had gone through, well, I'd gone through some of the the options that he had, there was like a, a zip file of, of basically like tutorials mm-hmm. he had put together. So I downloaded yeah. them, I was listening through them, which are absolutely fantastic, by the way. And, you know, Scott does an incredible job with these things. And uh, so does Garth, Garth Humphreys, who did the Rhea Producer podcast as well. And um, I was listening through it, and I was kind of getting into it. And, of course, I am typical for this, Michael. You've probably guessed already, but I am the kind of guy, <laughs> once I get into something, it's, it's like I go from zero to 60 very, very quickly. So it's like I'm sitting there going, okay, so, you know, one day I'm going to figure out the, the editing part of this app. Um, but hang on, you can buy plugins. Right, I'm off to the plugin store. And not, you can not, buy not the cheap plugins either, Stephen. You look like the most expensive ones. He rang me last night and said, I'm looking at Isotope. Oh, all right, okay. Really? Yeah, the yeah. really expensive one, are you? Yep. $500? I'm like, for a plugin? Really? I have no idea how good this thing is. I downloaded it. Everything sounded exactly the same, no matter what I did to it. I could apply every filter this thing had, and every piece of audio sounded exactly the same. <laughs> to be fair, it'd probably be helpful if we finished actually learning the basics of Reaper. <laughs> 
Before yeah, but you know, but this is this is how I work though, right? Because I'm I'm going through all this and I'm going, this is terrible, doesn't work, this is rubbish, and it actually was putting me off Reaper. And I had to kind mm. of talk myself back round this morning to say, look, that's not the reason this isn't working. It's because you're an idiot, Stephen. <laughs> I I will say Reaper. It's first of all, thank you guys for having Scott on because I did not know about the globalvoice.info slash Reaper and ReaperTeacher.com. Those well two resources are. <laughs> if anyone says, "Hey, I want to learn Reaper," I say, "Go review this material and then come ask me questions because mm-hmm. I'm not the person who's going to teach you the basics." I will teach you what I use Reaper for when it comes to podcasting. And I'm always learning something new. Uh, Scott was doing a cool session, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before that I believe is available at the global voice website that shows you EQ. And I know nothing about EQ, but now that I've listened to Scott's tutorial, I'm starting to play with it a little bit more. Um, And that's the thing with Reaper is, you know, it comes to me naturally because I've been using it for five, six years now. Uh, and I'm always learning something new, but when you get into the situation where you are right now, Stephen, where you have to produce something now, you're going to naturally go back to what you're used to. And we talked about that a little bit yesterday and then maybe get into using Reaper and maybe you just need to work on the best of double tap for the end of the year in Reaper because you have plenty of time to do it and start learning how to do things. And it'll be very short. Yes. The only issue is we need to find bits that are worthy of the title best of, and the lawyers, they've got a lot to say on that. So, Feedback you know, at doubletaponair.com. The one, the one minute long show uh, yes. that makes it to air. Uh, yeah. It'll just the be mediocre Sean, of double tap. It'll be Sean crying in a corner, probably. <laughs> I think it's probably the, the, the best off show should just be the one where where I get the phone call from Sean saying I'm lying outside my house and I think I've broken my leg. What did and I, I oh, tell you when no. I rang you from the pavement, from the sidewalk in the ice and snow with my leg broken in half? I said, record this. Record this. I know, and you didn't. record. Uh, no, rec- for, for you, I was being kind to you. I was uh, thinking in five years' time, you're going to wish I'd never done this, although there is a been piece award, of audio. There is a piece of audio that I don't think we've played on this show that I have in my possession. Oh. And I, if I can find it, I'll play it tomorrow on the show. But I, I, honestly, I Why, keep meaning I, to play it. Whoa. Really? Oh, it's <laughs> funny. It's funny. Yeah, but it, it may be funny, <laughs> but is it uh, allowed? Appropriate? Yeah. Oh it's, oh, it's very appropriate. <laughs> it's it's absolutely hilarious. All I'll say is, and this will, maybe I won't, maybe should I calm Sean down? Should I let him... Relax tonight or panic. my mind is racing right now. <laughs> All I'll say is, it was the time you decided to get fit. Oh, uh, uh, no, definitely don't play that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, but still, yes. Okay. Yeah, no, it's all right. People have enough audio on me, so it's all right. I'm not going to start throwing, I'm not going to start slinging mud around. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, the Reaper thing just fascinates me, and I, I kind of get into the habit of, just trying to get into it. But you're right. You, you've really got to throw yourself into it. You have to start using it. I think what I find with Reaper is there's quite a lot I need to get my head around first. Mm. Just you know, because, because I can't dive in. As much as I'd like to, I can't dive in right away. I feel like I want to kind of get the, the basics down, but it's taking a bit longer than I hoped. So I'm taking my time with it. Each day I'm going to do a little bit um, because that's my, my, my two things this year are trying to read braille a bit faster that's slower than i'd like it to be and definitely you know using reaper by the end of the year as well that's my goals that's my goals man They're beautiful goals to have stephen scott well done you you're a Thank star you. i am a hero it is difficult though and then when you've got a workflow and you've got to hit a deadline for something it is difficult to think yeah even though you know you realize the benefits of learning a new bit of software or whatever it may be it is difficult to make that switch it's a bit like when the you know, the big running from um, moving from Windows XP to seven or seven to eight or eight to ten. You know that that resistance that people have, I can totally understand it. See, mm. and I've always been the type of person to just jump in and then figure it out later. Like I don't I don't know sometimes how I'm going to do this video stuff, but I'll figure it out as we're going live five minutes before. <laughs> while I have someone in my headphones saying, "Hey, can you?" Can you readjust that camera for me? Because I can barely see you, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know how, what you want me to do. Uh, so that's that's always fun. But for me, also, what helped is when I was 
starting with Reaper, someone sent me a project and they said, Hey, here's a project of some material that you've already edited. And I'm trying to do this for more people too, to say, Hey, here's some content. Here's a show that we've edited and here's the entire Mm. project. Go mess with it. You're not going to break anything, but you can go see what an actual production project looks like and then go and delete items or explore that. And I think it's better when you have that project edited and it's not just the raw tracks because then you can see uh yesterday for example technically working one of the tracks had 146 items on it and you can see what that actual project looks like and explore it and that might help you too and i can share something with you if you're interested Stephen. well yeah I, I, we did talk about this briefly you and i michael on the on the call yesterday because sean and i had been uh, just kind of discussing this in, in a bit more detail because i've been sort of thinking about doing it and then you know sean's like yeah well i'm, I'm kind of happy with audacity maybe just stick with that and we were both kind of coming to the conclusion yesterday that this is the first time we'll be learning a, uh, an audio editor using a screen reader and no screen, mm-hmm. right? So when I learned Adobe Edition way back in the day, and actually what I was really learning was Cool Edit Pro back in the day, which became Adobe Edition, um, I was doing all that from vision. It was visual all the way. And by the tail end of it with Adobe, I was using it with Zoom. And then Audacity came along, and I did learn, actually, I did learn Audacity with the screen reader, but still with the screen on. And because I'm using the Mac with Audacity, you need the screen on because half of it's not accessible, (laughs) uh, which is really, really irritating. And I've kind of managed a workflow that means I can do it without the screen, but it's open to so much disaster that, you know, the the potential for it going wrong, it's just too, too easy. So I thought, no, this is the moment. This is my moment. To, uh, to make a change, as I believe Michael Jackson once said, or something like that. Um, he wasn't talking about Reaper, obviously. He was talking about, I don't know, Might have been. You don't world know. or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, so for me, I think this is the time to do it and actually get into it. But it is tricky. You know, it's tricky when you're going from, even, even though we've been slip sliding away, I was saying this to you this morning on the phone, Sean, you know, it's like, I think we talked about this yesterday as well, didn't we? We talked about it on the show, that, you know, it's like you go from the, the, Audio being in the way when you're using a screen reader at first, That's right. yeah, to kind of a, a midpoint of frustration because you're trying to look and trying to listen and everything's in the way mm-hmm. to the actual visuals being in the way because yeah. you're trying to listen to the audio and actually you're relying more on the audio, but you've still got some visual going on. Because the problem is, if you've got some vision, even if it's fairly useless, if it's still there and it's getting in the way, because if you're seeing things moving around on the screen. You're, 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 you're visually trying to reference that, even though you don't really know what's going on. You're still seeing stuff moving around, but you don't know what it is. But, you're li- but you think you do. It's all psychological. It is, yeah. And there's quite a few times where you think, you've seen something on the screen that isn't there, and it's become an issue. It has, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure that track was selected. I'm sure I could see like a white, you know, bl- uh, blob on the screen. And it's just in your head. You, because you think you've done it, you see it. So it is, yeah, it is tricky. Now's the time. Now is the time for Reaper. That's why I say. Well, you didn't say that. You said to me yesterday, you're never going to do it. Uh, you'd rather stick with say, Is it downloaded yet, Sean? Do you have, do you have Osara? I told SWS? Stephen yesterday, I said, I'm going to download it and uh, yeah. tell me where to get Osara from. And no, I haven't done it yet. The tell me where to get info slash Reaper has all the links. There you go, see? I know. Yes, I, yeah, you did actually tell me. Yes, I will. I will have a go. It's just I haven't got time. That's the thing. I'm so busy, busy, busy. Facebook watch. Like, like a Safari browser <laughs> on an Intel Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not responding, not responding, not responding. <laughs> what? Uh, how are you getting on with the Mac, Sean? Because have you even turned it on since uh, no. I sent you? Oh, I, okay, no, right. I've set it up. I've set it up. It's here, right here next to me. It's even plugged in. Um... <laughs> Well, that's brilliant. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Power is being served to the Mac. No other purpose whatsoever. I haven't gone back to it quite yet. No. No. Um, Michael, you are just a, you're properly on the Mac, right? I mean, you're not going to shift yeah. back. Do, do, you use the, do you use the PC in virtual mode or anything? Do you? Yep. Virtualize? Yep. So 
Uh, 20 hours a week, I am on Parallels on the Mac uh, because I find I use a tool called Zendesk to be able to answer calls in the web browser, mm-hmm. and it's a support software. And yep. Mac Core Audio and Safari do not play well together when you're trying to do VoIP calls. And uh, also, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Steven, you may have. Sean, probably not because, you know, just providing power doesn't give you experience oh, with tables in, the, in Safari. Yeah. Uh, but I, I see in Zendesk, <laughs> tables... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, of course. That's no, why Stephen right. no, wanted me up. here. No, no, remember? no, it's fine. Yeah, no, no, no. yeah, just kick me out. You're the admin. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So You're tables sometimes, safe. you can interact with tables, but you can't navigate them sometimes. And that drives me crazy. So I switched over to Windows so I can actually navigate the tables in the support software I use. Hasn't that yeah. been fixed? That was an issue, wasn't it? The no. Safari for a long time. Yes. So, and it's not all tables. And some people tell me I'm crazy, but I'm glad Demasi has confirmed it because he uses the same tool. He's like, yeah, I have these same problems too with this table. Ah, right. uh, but it, it, it drives me crazy. So I use Windows on a regular basis in Parallels, although I'm considering purchasing a Lenovo laptop from a friend because he's all in on Mac. And I mean, I, I like to be in both worlds. So, uh, but yeah, I'm all in on the Mac um, and iOS right now. Do you know, I am... Um I've done that whole back and forth. I've gone from the Parallels thing when I was on the Intel MacBook, and then when I switched to the M1 I th- on M2 now, I thought, okay, I'll I'll go away from having Mac uh, and PC on the same. I want a separate machine, so I had a Lenovo laptop. You know, just got in the way. And honestly, I'm kind of at the stage of thinking, wouldn't it be better just to have all... Because I've got my MacBook sitting here, my MacBook Pro, which I adore. It's a great machine, 14-inch, the best MacBook they ever made, I think, honestly. And it's such a great machine. And I thought, I should just put everything on this and just live off this. Honestly, it's just, there's no, this machine is so powerful, so capable. And I can run Windows and Mac all on the one machine. And when I go anywhere, I just pull it out of its dock and go. You say that, but there's always something. There's always some app that doesn't work quite as well on the Mac. It works better on Windows, but then... Yeah, but I've got both. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is but then when you find that when you're using it in virtualization mode that suddenly it crashes or the audio doesn't come through, there's always some sort of glitch. It, 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 I mean, I Disable agree. coherence mode. That's the secret with oh, well Parallels. Done. Welcome because to coherence tap. mode drives me crazy. Is that, that's where the apps all kind of mix together, yep. right? With Mac yep. and Windows. That's weird to me. That's and just when you're command tabbing, you have two Microsoft Edges, one's Mac yes. and one's Windows, and you're not sure which is which. <laughs> that's why I, I find it hilarious that when I go into the Parallels, so I go into Parallels, I go into Windows 11, and I open up Edge, and it opens up Edge on the Mac side. <laughs> and mm. I think, okay, mm. I didn't want that. Mm. I wanted it in, I actually wanted it in Windows. Because I will say, browsing the web on the, on the PC, so much easier. It's yeah. a delight, actually, to use on the PC. A secret that might help you, Stephen, that has, has helped a little bit with my sanity is voiceover comes out of both spe- both headphones for me, and mm. I'm using the sound splitter add-on for NVDA. JAWS has an equivalency, too. So when I'm in Windows, NVDA only comes out of my left ear, so I know which screen reader is talking because I have eloquence on both computers, yes. uh, Mac and Windows, yes. and that can get confusing. <laughs> It does get confusing, and especially if the volumes are almost exact, right? It's, mm-hmm. I, I did try lowering the volume of one, but then that just got irritating as well. Uh, and then, of course, like you see, you've got that problem. The other thing I did, I, I, I use this Roadcaster Pro Mixer, which is not the most accessible thing in the world, but it is a great little system because it has two USB-Cs in the back. Now, you don't actually have to buy the Roadcaster Pro because they brought out this new one recently called the Roadcaster, no, it's not the Road Streamer X. Now, I've yet to try it. I've got it. It's just arrived. But it, it's basically a little box which has on it a mute button. It's got a, the ability to plug in a camera if you wanted to. You could plug in a 4K camera or up to 4K camera with a, a DSLR via HDMI. Um, and you've also got four pads to play audio if you wanted to. And that's all it has. There's no touchscreen interface. There's nothing. And then you can plug in two USB-Cs in the back and control the audio from two different systems. And that means you can plug it in to a Mac and that gives you two different USB channels to play with. So that could be an option to get to separate out the audio. You know, you could have different audio coming out of different parts um, and then you, you can do whatever you want with it then. It gives you more control. Something's not going to work there. I can already tell you that because you're messing with audio. <laughs> yes. It's well, going to break somewhere. <laughs> I will say it worked really well with the roadcast. The roadcast. In fact, it works better than it does when you try and have it all in the one. Um, huh. Having having the secondary channel on the roadcaster be become the 
audio for Windows, essentially, did work really well for me. It really did. Of course, I mean, you, the other thing as well is we're often sitting with headphones on all day. And, yes. you know, when you're sitting with headphones on and you've got audio going into those, you don't really want to have a separate audio system for the laptop or for whatever. You, that's, again, it's, it's kind of why this virtualization thing is so popular amongst blind people, because we can have everything in the one box. The audio is all going in and out of the one box. Uh, you can use a mixer for that, but if you're on the move, you know, you, you don't really want to be carrying around two laptops. And you certainly don't, if you are using two laptops, you want the audio to be coming out of one headset, and that's not possible unless you take a mixer with you. And suddenly you're taking your entire desk yes. on a holiday. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but you I need are to a- check a second bag just for this mixer. <laughs> yeah. You're a nightmare, though, Stephen, because the amount yes, of times you've... can just ra- stop there. That's, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> the amount of times you've rang me and said, that's it, I'm moving all over to blah, whatever it is this week, Windows or Mac. I'm sick of that. It's not working. And then two days later, oh, I love this new app I found on Mac. It's amazing. Everything's coming back. I'm always back. drawn back in. I'm always drawn back in. I think it's because the Mac is, is sexy. It's got so many cool tools. And I meet so many cool people. And it, it, Michael, it's actually your fault because... I'm blaming you anyway. But, you know, okay. honestly, the amount of times I'd, I'd talk to you and you'd say, oh, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And I'd be like, oh, that's on the Mac side. Okay, fine, I'm back. And that but, was it. You know, But it's kind of nice using both. You just obviously have to remember your commands and controls and uh, get them the right way around. Otherwise, you're forever opening. Whenever you try and copy and paste, you're forever <laughs> opening the start menu, which is very, very now, irritating. Now, here's the weird thing. Ooh, command V works in Windows, and it shouldn't, and that confuses me a little times. I don't know if you try that because it should just be Control V, but because of the way the parallels works, you can hit Command V, and then when it works, it's like, why did that work that way? Exactly. That's right. You can you can have it set up to be exactly the same, which I didn't do because I thought mm, that's probably going to cause more trouble than it's worth. Uh, listen, we're out of time, but it's been a really interesting show today, and Michael, thanks so much for coming on and uh, talking about it. Tell us your thoughts as well on uh, the subject of Braille. I'd love to hear what you think. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. 1-877-803-4567 is the number to call if you want to leave us a voice message. We're back tomorrow and here until, well, basically Mr. F tells us to get out, uh, which is in exactly 10 10 seconds. So we're off. Uh, Michael Babcock, uh, host of every podcast known to man and woman. Uh, Thank you. Sean Priest, thank you for whatever it is you do. Thank you. And we'll catch you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.